0: Hi, welcome back to Penn Podcasts. Today, we'll be interviewing Pilar Garcia. Pilar works as a sustainability specialist for Veolia, Australia and New Zealand. Veolia is a large transnational company that offers services in water management, waste management and energy services. We hope you enjoy and find this podcast useful. So welcome to the show, Pilla. How are you?
1: Thank you. Um, Yeah, good, good, you know, working from home, Um, maintaining sane during this COVID times. But yeah, overall, quite well.
0: Excellent, excellent. And so for our audience, uh, our members for Penn, would you mind telling them a little bit about yourself?
1: All right, so I... I am the sustainability specialist at Veolia, which is a multinational corporation for waste, water and energy. So it's a French company, but it operates in maybe like 52, 56 countries. Um, And I'm mainly responsible for Australia and New Zealand, mainly working projects in Australia. My background is environmental sustainability and economics, so I did my degree in Canada, so in Vancouver. I am originally from El Salvador, so it's a country not many people have heard of, but it's the smallest country in um, the continent of America. And it's tiny, it's well overpopulated, and there's not that many avenues to study something to do with the environment. So I looked outward and managed to score myself a full-ride scholarship to the University of British Columbia in Vancouver where I got to study um, in the geography department and that's where I specialized in sustainability and then I did a specialization in economics with the economics department and then I met an Australian who was there um, doing his exchange abroad and fell in love and that was in 2013 and I moved to Australia in 2016 just after I finished my degree and I scored this job at Veolia quite soon after I arrived so I've been doing the same, I've been in the role for three years now.
0: Fantastic, well it sounds like a bit of a roller coaster of a session but it sounds amazing, you have had quite some experience there. And so in your role in Viola, you're a sustainability specialist. Uh, What does that entail exactly?
1: Right. So I look after strategies and programs that we have designed for our client base that are looking to be more sustainable in their space of waste, water or energy. I mainly look at waste projects, just because the role actually began as a waste solutions officer. So I mainly focus on waste, but the role has since evolved. And now we look after water and energy, which are also part of our suite of um, businesses within Veolia. And so what it pretty much entails is getting to know the customer, So initial meetings, initial site assessments, to really understand what their main issues are, but also what their goals are. And then going away, putting together a plan, and then executing it with the stakeholders. So that means more people from Veolia, so I bring in technical experts, engineers, I bring people from BD, and then we bring the people from the site. Bring together and try to like implement the plan and yeah that's pretty much what we do so we're problem solvers
0: that sounds incredible it sounds like really exciting work to be honest i'm sure it's different every day
1: it is it is especially because we serve as a lot of different industries so you know hospitals are so different from manufacturing which you know manufacturing can go from and beverage manufacturers to bricks and cement and you know there's such a big range of clients and also a big range of waste streams so I've had to get acquainted with you know it's not just your general and bottles and cans it's this whole wide world of hazardous waste and liquid waste and all these different types so you really have to tailor strategies to your client like no one site even from the same client is the same so yeah it's sort of problem solving and adapting strategies and pivoting when you have to
0: (laughs) yeah I'm sure it's exposed you to well just a variety of situations as you said and in that sense did you have any how would I put this did you have any preconceptions of what you thought the role would be prior to getting into it versus what it is now like were there any discrepancies yeah
1: well, when I first began I was it was my first job so I didn't have any preconceptions. I was just happy to be there and I was just happy to be coached and being taken wherever like I really didn't even have experience at working a like an office job even during my I did some internships and it was with NGOs and it wasn't like proper office work so going into a corporate office was a bit of a shock, sitting in front of a computer for eight hours a day. Shock. And you know, not all of my job is going, uh, sitting, sorry, in front of the computer, but a lot of it is. And that that was a bit of a shock. But in terms of the role, it really was what it was advertised, which was, you know, we have the clients, you just have to come up with the solutions and visit them and make sure that everything's okay. But then the role, has morphed into this beast of a role because now we sit in the innovation, strategy and development team. So it's just completely expanded our scope, which is great. I mean, so there's a lot of sustainability projects coming in, but now there's a lot of strategizing, a lot of business development, a lot of data analysis, um, things that I didn't think the role would have to do. So it's skills that I've had to learn on the job And yeah, it's just, at the beginning it was, and then the role just got bigger and bigger. And now it's, it's a bit different to what I started with.
0: No, that's totally fair. It sounds like almost you've created this space for yourself within the organization. And I'm sure like as projects have evolved and everything and your skill set expanded, you got more and more responsibility. But on that note, are there skills in particular that you have found have been really crucial to this type of work?
1: Uh, yes. So I think one of the biggest one has been data analysis. And I, I remember speaking with one of my friends at the end of our fourth year in, uh, of her degree. And she is an economist. And she was saying, data, data, data management, data science, that is where the world is going and I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, and fair enough, I got into the role and it's so much about data analysis because you know you implement a project and there's a lot of value in implementing a project well, but you have to be able to know if it's worked with data and having data driven targets. you know. So knowing what data to find, what to do with the data once you've found it that is such an important skill for sustainability. One, because you prove what you've done works, and there's savings, and you know, abated carbon, or you diverted this amount of waste to landfill. But for any role, really, we're in the data. We're in the age of information, so we really need to hone in our skills of how to do models, like how to model data, uh, how to read data, how to then present. The results from your data because data tells stories and you have be, to be clever enough to be able to take those numbers and turn it into a story so you can take stakeholders on a ride and think like you do right so that's a big one then the other one that i found was report writing so much report writing uh, especially working with big corporations because I, I work with national clients so clients that have sites everywhere across Australia. So it's very corporate and you need to document everything. You need to be able to write a good report. <laughs> so everyone looks at it and everyone knows what, you, what you're what you trying to do and achieve. But I think university does a really good job at that, at bombarding you with essays. Doing that in university is really good preparation. So it's a big one. And then the other one, I was trying to figure out how to say it, so it's the best way I can put it is like lateral thinking again, what I was telling you about like going to a, a place or a site or a situation where you think, you know, the solution, but then figure out that it's not, you have to know how to pivot and think differently. And that creativity, I think it's so key because if not you're going to get stuck and that's a big one. And the other one is, presentation skills. Not only being able to put together presentations, you still have to do it in you know, jobs of any kind, being able to put together a good presentation, but also present it. And I'm still working on that too. You know, like going into a big room with a lot of companies that are big and sometimes you, know, you get that feeling of the imposter syndrome and we millennials seem to talk about that quite a bit of Feeling a bit like a child at the adults' table, and you know, I, I think I have skills, and I I think I, I do my job well. But when you just get put into those situations, I feel like a child sometimes, and I can't believe that I'm in that boardroom, or I can't believe that I'm talking to this particular person. And so, I have to like get trained, like train myself to be confident and to present well, because I know my stuff and I just have to, yeah, have that confidence and be good at presenting. And I'm actually getting ready for a presentation on Monday and just talking to my boss yesterday, she's just like, just breathe and going through like the basics of presenting. And she was saying that she even gets nervous. So it's, it's a good skill to have and to train yourself to do it, even if you're nervous. If you want to make change, you have to get these people that don't necessarily have the same values as you do. You have to convince them and you have to be convincing and you have to be confident. And so presentation skills, like honing in those skills. And I I try to do that in my third year of university. And I was abroad and I decided that I wasn't a good public speaker. So I I joined the debating team of my university, but I I was studying in Amsterdam at the time. And it was awful, I was, I'm, a, I'm a terrible debater. But they said, you know, we have a spot to go to the Oxford debating competition. Who wants to go? And no one wanted to. And I was like, man, it's a free trip, I'll do it. So I made myself go to the Oxford debating competition to be better at presenting. And I lost, I was the last one. I came in last of everyone. You know, I was up against people from Harvard and Stanford and Cambridge that are amazing debaters. And there was just like stuttering my way through it. So even if you don't have it, do it because it's really going to help you in the future.
0: That is an amazing collection of skills. I'm really glad you touched on all of them. And one that I think you definitely have that you haven't articulated there is just initiative. Like every one of those sounds like you pushed yourself to learn a new skill in some way, which I think is necessary. So. That's a great answer and I hope that's valuable to our listeners out there. Thank you for that. And that's interesting too because you're talking you've interwoven a lot of your university experience into you know skills you thought would be useful versus skills that are useful in a sense. Like the data analysis in particular. Are there any things in university you wish you could go back and learn now having worked in the industry for a few years? Oh, it's
1: a good one. I I think maybe more with data analysis and taking actual courses on it like my friend told me about back then and she did she actually took courses in it and took advantage of being at a university and having that but I didn't so I I think I would go back and do it like now we do a lot of it in Excel so knowing those skills beforehand I imagine like where I would be now if I learned those like just basic I mean it's not basic actually take the advanced excel courses because that's so useful in the future so if I had learned that I'd be in a different place now what else would I have taken some business development courses so just to be able to really understand what return on investment models look like what is a reasonable time frame to expect a return on investment for example i've learned through being at beolia and listening that you know you should be expecting to have return investment at the seven-year mark like that is a healthy company or, or investment to make and that goes unchecked for me because i just take it because someone's told it told me i've heard it but i wish i had the skills to really know about it And I have an economics degree but economics is a finance, it's not business. Economics is more like the macro allocation of resources which is super interesting but it's not particularly useful when you're looking at various you know business initiatives like it's not it's not the same so I wish I had more business background just to really understand what these higher ups are looking for when you put forth like a project because I've been putting a lot of initiatives and projects through and putting business cases together and things like that but I'm not the ultimate decision maker but I would like to think like one so that would be helpful.
0: That's actually a really interesting point I hadn't considered this would you recommend in that sense maybe even project management is that something useful To undertake so understanding the life cycle of a project and where you should be seeing returns, as you said?
1: Yeah, definitely. I actually work paid for me to go to a two-day project management course because I was doing so much of it and I asked for the training. So definitely some project management. And it's I don't know, there's all these sort of methods for project management and you know, they're helpful to an extent, but you really just have to understand, yeah, how you operate and how you best function. Because I, if I took what I learned in that project and like applied it to my team, they'd just be bogged down with how much documentation there is. Adapt what you learn and know the context, because it's not, you're not just project managing yourself, you're project managing a team and people outside of your team. So you just have to know what works with the culture of the business. But I think overall it's really, important skill to have and you don't have to go to university for that you can just get a diploma or even do it online i would encourage anyone who's looking to work in projects and, and, and initiatives like that to look up project management courses it's just good to understand what you should be managing and how to manage stakeholders and how to manage documentation so yeah
0: no that's definitely excellent to hear too because we do at Melbourne Uni we actually have a few different units that students can pick to actually just do like one semester of project management some of them are very useful some of them are very specific it just depends on what you're tailored to so it's always good to know whether that's a useful avenue for people to pursue at university or like you said whether it's something they can potentially do through their work and what you advise on that so it sounds like it depends on the person's background but if they've got the opportunity why not yeah kind of a curveball question I'm sorry I didn't put this one You know, I remember first meeting you and you were really passionate about reducing waste and getting on top of this huge waste problem the world has globally now. I guess I wanted to ask you about how you found working in an area you're passionate about and whether you think this would have been a different experience if you were working in something else environmental, but maybe not waste specifically.
1: With the passion, I think when I was speaking to you, it was in the context of, you know, passion shows and passion can pay. So if you are really excited about something, you want to change something, and you have the skills to meet that, I think it's it's really good for potential employees to see that and they do notice. And I think that's how I got my role because I'm just so passionate about waste and wanted to fix it like this huge problem. And working in the space, It's definitely, you know, it's, it's that drive of when you're working at 9. PM, sometimes you just like, it's that extra energy to keep you going when you're really into something. But with that too, I've been able to really, really see the problem that we have and stare at it straight. Like just look at it and really understand the scale and gravity of it because I get to go to landfills and I see the huge, huge mess we've me. made. And I also go to materials recovery facilities, you know, where all your recyclables end up. And I see how much of it ends in the landfill just because people don't do it properly. So all these efforts from people just have to go to landfill because someone decided to put nappy in there so all of it has to go so i started to look at these you know even i was so conscious at first of my own footprint and i did zero waste months and i would you know try to buy in bulk packaging and i still do it but because it's really important to walk the talk but i've also been a little bit i would say kinder on myself when I don't follow my zero waste rules, when I get a sushi in that disposable plastic packaging, or I decide to get a soy plastic fish, because I say I'm fixing big problems. This little plastic soy fish is not going to make a difference. I know that's not completely the right attitude, but I think as a bit of a warning to people that are wanting to work in the fields that they're so extremely passionate about you're going to see some ugly sides because you're there to fix it so it might make you depressed it might slow down your own individual actions because you see how big the problem is and you trick yourself into thinking that your personal actions wouldn't really matter but it's also really cool It's also really cool to work in space that you want to change, and when you get those wins, it is amazing. So I would encourage anyone: if you have a passion, go for it. Like fix the plastic problems in the ocean, fix biodiversity loss. Like it's huge, (laughs) but it's also what's going to get you. You know that passion is what's going to get you jobs. I need people that are passionate in these roles that are going to enact change because I see it a lot, you know, people that have sustainability titles that I'm working a lot with on the other side. So like my clients and I work with sustainability managers or people that have a sustainability interest or sustainability role within that company. And they're not that passionate about it. And I'm like, well, if you, if you were as passionate as I was, you would be on the phone with me every day, asking me how do we fix it let's keep going you know so passionate people try to get the roles that you want if you have the skills go for it and you might be bogged down but keep going (laughs) keep going and it's what we need right we need passionate people in the spaces that they want to connect change in and just make sure that you have the skills right like that's the other thing like you can be passionate passionate about a lot of things but passionate about gardening but I'm not going to garden anyone's yard. like <laughs> I'm gonna you're gonna have a very low yield so just make sure that you also have the skills to match it
0: Absolutely, no. I couldn't agree more with you in that sense. Like, if you find a job you love, you're obviously going to put more effort in. So, and I'm glad to hear someone say that because there is a lot of debate over whether passion's a good thing, whether you should work for your passion. But I guess if you love what you do enough and you care about making a change, then you will put those extra yards and you will try and pursue that extra goal over the next one. So, great to hear that you found that level of success in your role for your own your own goals and I like the fact that you said be kind to yourself a little bit too I think it's very easy for environmentalists to kind of get wrapped up in the exactly as you put it the small details too much of a small thing oh no I bought this you know the little plastic fish is one that actually gives me a pet peeve when I see it I'm like no no no, I can use the bottle but, but, but sometimes as you said, it just if, come if you, in the packet and yeah. I say
1: sometimes don't and they just go ahead so you know, you just have to be kind to yourself and also the lady behind the counter who's taking 10 portraits. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: just be kind. Absolutely. And so in that sense too, like you you touched on it just then in terms, and you touched on it earlier too, about working a role you're passionate about and your passion shining through and helping you get this initial role. So being someone who studied in... Vancouver and coming to Australia to find a job. That would have been a bit of a challenge. And we've got a lot of international students within our cohort. Do you have any advice for international students in finding their first job if they plan on working in Australia?
1: Yeah, so my status as a Australian alien, I mean, not even an Australian alien, just an alien, I'm on a partner visa. So, and I was on a partner visa as soon as I got to Australia. And that made it really easy for me to go out and seek roles. I know for if you are a foreign person and you have like a working holiday visa, you can only work here in Australia for, for one company six months at a time. So people are not going to usually hire you. So that's a bit of a shame. But for international students, I know that you have a visa that allows you to work after and I don't know how long it's for, but it's long enough that it can be attractive for employers. So the reality is it's trickier to be an international student trying to seek a role compared to an Australian citizen or permanent resident. Because employees want someone that they can have as you know as a continuing like continuous role. But it doesn't mean that you can't and I think it's a two-year visa, what you get as an international student. And that two years is enough for an employee to be able to take a chance on you. So what I would say is still apply to the roles that you see and think are interesting. Don't select yourself out. Don't think that because you're international, you can't get that role. Apply to it. And then, you know, they you might have the skills that they want. They might just take a gamble and hire you or at least get to know you and give you an interview you know like apply and then if they see that you have the skills they might invite you to an interview and they'll get to know you a little bit better and I would also say don't lose faith in the traditional recruitment methods of LinkedIn you know just indeed seek all those it can seem really hard like i have friends that just apply 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 and don't get anything but that's where most of the roles are posted like for example at veolia there's no hidden roles like everything is posted on these websites so meeting up for with people for coffee is a really good idea i think it opens up a lot of opportunities that you don't know of. so i would 100 percent encourage you to do that but also it's not like there's that many hidden roles around. Like they say that a lot of the roles aren't advertised. I think I've heard a saying, but for Veolia, all the roles have to be advertised. Like there's just like a company rule. Like they have to advertise government positions. They have to advertise. So government positions are not allowed to, to just hire someone. They have to advertise it first. So just keep using those tools and meeting up with people that you think are interesting and they can just shed a little bit of light on what the industry that you're interested in, how it operates, and what the best places are to look for roles. Because sometimes it can be companies' websites that they advertise for graduate positions and maybe that's not advertised in LinkedIn or the normal platforms. So reach out to people. You can also reach out to people in HR in those companies so just look them up on linkedin and just ask the question what their policy is As an international students they might be able to tell you because some companies you know might not even have a policy maybe they haven't even considered it so i know it's tricky especially because australia isn't one of the countries that makes it the easiest but there are avenues to do it
0: that's an excellent range of well, advice you've given to our students. I mean, if I was to summarize that, it sounds like, you know, don't be afraid, apply anyway. Keep applying. Don't be afraid to reach out to people and grab a coffee, network with people in your industry and, you know, build up the necessary skills that you think are relevant for your industry. So, yeah, great range of skills. Thank you for that. Pillar. we'll wrap it up there for today because I don't want to take up too much of your time knowing that you're a bit, um, (laughs) it's a short commodity in everyone's schedule these days. But thank you again for being on our show. Thank you for coming along and being happy to give some advice to the student body. One last question. If students wanted to reach out and connect with you for a coffee or a virtual coffee in this COVID-19 time, would they be okay to do so?
1: Yeah, definitely. Open to emails, coffees, even just a phone call if you just want to talk about waste. (laughs) Love to talk about waste. I can talk all day yeah contact me and hopefully i can be of use
0: awesome well we'll post your maybe we'll post your linkedin connection on the oep website so that people can find you if they want to get in touch with you so thank you again pilla hopefully we'll be in touch soon and wishing you all the best and stay safe during these times
1: great thank you, thank you for having me <laughs>